Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Earth and Body Ecosystems. Join us as we bridge the gap between the body and the earth that surrounds us. And remember, anyone, any of our platforms that you listen to, which is on podcast or our personal YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe. Don't forget to hit that subscribe, that red line, so you know that you're going to get our next, our next interview. <laughs> okay. And Joyce is going to introduce our next guest. Thank you, Heidi. Our guest today is Minister Jalisa Hardy. She is a wife, a mom, a licensed minister, self-published author, and a board-certified holistic health practitioner. She has named herself the Holistic Health Plug. Why, you might ask? It's because she connects people with holistic health resources that light up their lives. She is on a mission to empower super moms of color to embrace their limitless power to holistically heal themselves, generations, and nations using her five apps framework to freedom and abundance. The framework comes from her debut book, It's All In Me, My Journey to Freedom and Living Abundantly. In her book, she shares her story of how she overcame all her tragedies, trials, and tribulations using her 5Fs framework to heal herself holistically. In connecting with Minister Hardy, you will be refreshed by her love for people and her desire to positively impact every person she comes in contact with. She wants you to know that whatever you need to truly heal, it's all in you. Just, Delisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You guys are doing some amazing work in the community, so I'm grateful to be here on your platform. So tell us uh, a little bit about how you got started, because you said you had overcome some tragedies and tribulations. So could you share a little bit about that with our audience? So I can start with my, I guess, my conception story. Um, I was conceived into a broken family. At the time, my mom and dad were separated on their way to a divorce. Um, and because my mom didn't want to be with anybody else, she was with my father. So I was the oops baby that came from their separation. And a little on down the line, my mom, before me, my mom had issues with conceiving. So she had some fertility challenges and had three miscarriages before me. Um, so they weren't very positive that I would survive. Um, so a little on down the line, once I started to develop, they ran a sonogram and they found that I would be born without a stomach and that my esophagus and windpipe would be fused together. Wow. And my mom, like I said, I'm a minister. I come from a line of ministers, bishops, pastors. So my mom went to a revival. She said, I'm not going to believe what the doctor said. So she went to a revival, they prayed over her, and she said that she remembers that all, the only thing that she remembers is that it felt like God was pouring gold into her stomach. So when she went back to the doctor after this encounter, there was nothing wrong with me. They couldn't find anything wrong. I had a stomach and my esophagus and windpipe were normal. I was considered a miracle child. Amazing. They had no idea. The doctors couldn't figure out. They know they knew what they saw. They saw it on the sonograms. They 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 it was confirmed that this was what was going on. And they had told her before this 
that one of the nurses suggested that she would have an abortion because of all of the issues that I would have if I was to make it to full term. They said that I would need to have a bunch of different surgeries in order for me to even have some chance of making it after being delivered. So if you see this doctor's report and you see who I am today, you know that it's nothing but a miracle that I'm here today. So from there, it was like life or something like something didn't want me to be successful. Something didn't want me to survive or thrive. Um, and as a child, I was sexually abused by my biological sister. Um, we didn't know at the time that this was a generational curse thing that happened to my mom. It happened to cousins. It happened to aunts, uncles, grandfathers, grandmothers. Nobody knew at the time because nobody talked about it. It was, if it happens at home, it stays at home. You don't talk to anybody about what goes on. Mm-hmm. So here we are suffering in silence. I'm continuing to suffer in silence. Drug abuse, alcohol abuse, promiscuity, being great um, three more times between the ages of 13 and 18. And every encounter, it was more than one guy. I was going through all of these things and people were just putting labels on me. Oh, she's just angry. Oh, she's just sad. Oh, she's promiscuous. Oh, she just wants attention. And nobody knew that I was dealing with so much pain, so much anger, so much anguish, just just so many things, so many emotions and feelings that nobody knew why, or nobody even thought to ask why. It was just, well, she's just, just this, or she's just that. So me being who I am, it was like God was pushing me to tell someone to tell someone. And at the time, my now husband, he was like my best friend. And I finally opened up at the age of 20, it took me all these years to even open up and tell somebody what I had gone through. At 20 years old, I decided that it was time for me to tell someone. I was going through all of these different emotions, just angry, just wanting to not live. I had suicidal ideation. And I finally just decided it's time for me to tell someone. So at that time, um, I told him, he was like, you got to tell your mom. He was like, she doesn't know what's going on or what happened. You have to tell your mom. And after telling my mom, she said, oh, my God. She said, this is what I wanted to protect you from. I wanted to protect you from this because this is something that I dealt with. My very own, her very own uncle was sexually abusing her as a child. And she's like, I wanted to protect you from that. I did my best to keep you from the males in the family, but I had no clue it would be women. Hmm. Come to find out it my sister, who was sexually abused by one of our aunts and her god sister. So whatever happened to her, she was coming home and doing to me. It wasn't that she had any malice or any ill intent in her heart to abuse me. It was just what she knew what somebody was doing to her. That's common. So by, by me telling that to my mom, she was able to talk to different family members. She went on a trip later, later on maybe a week or so later and she was talking about it and it was there was a cousin that was there and said that oh my gosh like that happened to you too by this very same uncle and it came out that he had sexually abused nieces nephews his siblings and nobody ever talked about it 
So just by me opening my mouth and sharing what I went through, I've been able to break chains of bondage for not just my family, but so many other people because I wrote it in my book. And I'm sharing my story and telling my story. I want the world to hear it because there are so many people suffering in silence. Right. And they don't have the strength or the, the, the motivation to even speak up because they're so broken and tired and worn out. Well, they also feel that nobody's going to believe them. That too, because I've had people say that they told someone and they told them they didn't believe them. Yeah. Um, I'm getting choked up. Abuse is rampant in our society. It, it don't matter where we come from. We've all suffered some form of it, one way or the other. And it breaks my heart. And that's why I tell my story. Because Sorry. there are so many people. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Um, it's, it's something why I'm so open about it is because there are people that have dealt with it for years that have never said anything never talked to anyone about it that that came to me and said I've never you shown me the strength that I can have in order to share this with someone even if it's just a therapy to go to talk to someone about what you've gone through because what we experienced as a child from that age I I was in early childhood education before I uh, had my kids my children but that age range from zero to seven it literally develops who we become Mm -hmm. so to experience years of sexual abuse as a child you become this person who you didn't choose to be and it takes a lifetime to break to break free of that you you spend your life trying to break free from that abuse and not be like the abuser was to you yep and even that, at one point in my life, I was physically abusive in my relationship. I became the aggressor because it's like, I've been abused. I've been, people took so many different things from me. I said, I'm going to get you. My thought process was, I'm going to get you before you get me. So it's a protective me- mechanism because like you said, you, you, you build up those walls and you, you, you be aggressive so that they can, you can't be touched. Mm-hmm. And right. so you build that wall. So they, cause you don't want to hurt like that anymore. Yep. And in that, in that way you're protective. Yep. And for me, I didn't want my children to experience the things that I did. I didn't want them to have to go through the hardship and abuse and just not feeling worthy, just feeling useless, not wanting to live. So I knew that telling my story and the framework that God gave me to share it with other people so that they can heal and be whole and live the free and abundant lives that we're meant to live, regardless of our past, regardless of what someone did to us, regardless of what someone said to us, we still can live free and abundant lives. Right. So let's talk about your book and how that plays a part in your journey. What it, you know, how how does your book empower other women to overcome? What are the five Fs? So 
the five F's are faith, fellowship, forgiveness, feeding your being, and fun. So faith is really what do you believe in? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about the life that God intends for you to live? Why do you, what, what is your belief about what you're here for? So mm-hmm. tapping into that first about, you know, your, being your foundation of, you know, who you are, like, what do you believe in? Do you believe that you're, you were supposed to be abused? Do you believe that you're a victim or do you believe that you're a victor? Do you believe that you're a survivor? So that faith is the foundation. And the next thing is the fellowship. Fellowship being having relationships with people that you can talk to, that you can share things with. It's going to therapy. It's having support. It's having accountability. It's having good, strong relationships with people, your spouse, your children, and making sure that you're being present in these encounters so that you're, you're showing up full in their, in their lives. Because our presence in somebody else's life is a blessing. The next thing is forgiveness. With everything I went through, Mm. if I didn't forgive, I would have never, I wouldn't be here before you today. There's no way I could have held onto the hatred, the anger, the animosity, just the the guilt, the shame, even towards myself. I had to forgive myself. Because mm. I blamed myself for some of the, the situations that I went through. Because I wasn't making the best decisions. But I was doing the best that I could with the information that I had. Mm. And that's what people don't realize. They feel like, oh, I should know better. I should have done better. But you're doing the best that you can with the information that you had. So I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive my parents. Because I blamed my dad for, for him being out in the streets and living his life and not being at home, not knowing what was going on at home. I blame my mom because I felt like she was so caught up with my dad and his shenanigans that she wasn't paying attention to what her kids were going through. I was angry. I was so angry with God. I was so angry. I wanted nothing to do with him. Nothing at all. Because in my mind, I just did not understand how you could say that you love me so much but allow me to go through everything that I've gone through. But I'm learning and I've learned that it's for a reason. Being able to share my story and help other people become free is the reason for me encountering the things that I've encountered. And being able to come through it with my sanity, with my peace, with my joy, with my smile, and people not know based off of what I look like and the life that I live, that I've gone through all the things that I've gone through. So that's the third one. The fourth one is feeding your being. What are you eating spiritually, mentally, and physically? What are you watching? What are you drinking? What is the quality of your water? What is the quality of the food that you're eating? What is the quality of the music that you're listening to? The TV that you're watching? The social media that you're scrolling through? What is the quality of that? Because you are what you eat. Mm-hmm. So if you're eating negativity, if you're eating uh, just things that are not fuel for your body, your spirit, soul, and your body, then that's what's going to come up and that's what's going to come out. Right. 
And the fifth thing is fun. We don't prioritize fun as moms, as entrepreneurs, as women, as just people overall. We don't make fun a priority. We're designed for pleasure. We're designed for fun. So if you're not having fun, you're not living a full and abundant life. So these are the five Fs, the, the, the resources that I share are within these five Fs that I share with other moms so that they can make sure that their lives are free and abundant. So you're talking about the food in the water, which is a, a holistic way of living also, and you're a holistic practitioner. So can you talk about a little bit about your work as a holistic pr practitioner? Yes. Um, so I'm able to provide my clients with different forms of assessment so that they can see if they're allergic to certain things. I do things like hair tissue analysis, where it breaks down, you know, your biology and tells you, okay, these are the things that you shouldn't be eating. These are the things that you shouldn't be eating. And these are the reasons why you might be experiencing these different diseases or challenges in your health. Um, being able to give them, I have an online organic superfood store, to give them superfoods that nourish and detoxify their body so that they're getting the, the bad things out and putting the good things in. And my philosophy is more fuel over fun. You get fun food, okay? It's okay to have the fun food. <laughs> okay, but make sure that you're getting more of the foods that fuel you. I don't tell them, oh, this is a bad food or this is a good food. We just think of it as a matter of, okay, is this food gonna fuel me or is this food just for fun? So if you're getting more food that fuel you, your body is going to be able to maintain and sustain itself better than if you're eating more of the fun. Because uh, if you tell yourself, oh, don't eat this, don't eat that, it's going to be more, if, especially if, like me, you grew up on certain foods. Mm -hmm. And these are your comfort foods. These are foods that you, you know, that mm -hmm. remind you of family, that remind you of community. So to say, oh, I'm not going to do that, it's like you're cutting away a part of your identity. So that's what I, I tell my clients. Fuel over fun. You can have well, the fun, but when make it, sure when that it, you're it, getting your fuel. When it comes to the fun too, fun needs to be in, in, in as far as food, fun needs to be in moderation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I said you make sure you're getting more of the fuel food over the fun food. Right. Uh, and then one thing, I'm, I think there was a book, and, but it made sense to me. It's what are we eating? And you talked about the abuse you went through and you were eating that because it was a secret, right? So you were eating that secret mm -hmm. uh, and that's probably just fueled anything. Maybe you could talk about how we take in what we don't release. We kind of hold it in. And so in that way, we're eating the emotion. Yeah, and that's where a lot of women carry weight that they can't get rid of because they have these emotions or these experiences that their body is holding on to. And it's really not the physical weight. It's mm -hmm. those spiritual, mental, and emotional things that they've encountered that they haven't been able to let go of. Yep. That's one thing that's, one thing that's real common uh, these days in the holistic realm is dealing with past trauma and how past trauma, if we don't deal with it, how it affects our life in all aspects. So that's a real big thing right now. And 
you know, when, when I first heard about it, I was like, wow. But then it was like, it, it makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, and it, our subconscious, yeah. our subconscious is more powerful than our conscious. And mm-hmm. then it, this, those of us, myself, like we, we hold on in weight, but other people hold on in different ways. It may not be so apparent, but they're, you know, like a, a vice or, you know, an addiction it, mm-hmm. and they hold on to that because they haven't released some of the trauma. Um, you know, I see that a lot, especially in my family, um, like, um, you know, family members that have addiction and that's kind of, they're not big people, but they have these addictions that are just as damaging because they hold on because they haven't released the trauma and it takes a lot to release it sometimes. And I I know I've been working on it for close to 59 years to release all, to release a lot of the traumas I've been through. And I find, like you said, forgiveness, forgiving myself and forgiving those that hurt me because they were hurt way before I was, you know, like Mm -hmm. you said, it was generational, you know, and I'm for, and we need to break that now and just be done, you know, as move forward and stop with these cycles of, you know, abuse. And because we are so much better, we are so much more, than that and sure well, you know forgiveness forgiveness isn't necessarily for the other person so whoever hurt mm-hmm. you you're forgiving them you're doing it for yourself because mm-hmm. i guarantee you that whoever hurts you they're not sitting there thinking about it they don't give a rat's butt about it it's you know it happened and that's it but those who are victims of that person are the ones that are dealing with this and playing things over and over again in their heads so for us, forgiving them, that's for us. It's not for them. I heard this quote a while ago, and it says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm. Oh, I've heard, that. I've heard that too. And that has stuck with me for years because it's like you're, you're holding on to this thing and it's literally killing you. Right. Mm. And you're holding on to it, trying to get revenge on this other person. When it's hurting you, it's not hurting them. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah, go ahead, Joyce. Oh, I was just, I was going to switch over to another topic, but if you have something to say, please do. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Okay. Well, um, I know, Jaleesa, that you have a passion with helping nursing mothers and talking about the importance of nursing. So can we talk about that? Yeah. Um, excited to talk about that topic. Um, my son was actually, he was, he was born at 30 weeks and three days. Um, so my first experience with nursing was a little bit of a challenge, um, but it helped me to learn so much for my experience with my daughter. Um, I had to pump a lot for my son um, because he was premature. He had a feeding tube, had feeding issues. But as I said, like the tools, the different resources that I was able to have access to during that experience, it really helped um, with my daughter because I'm now at 11 months exclusively breastfeeding my daughter. So. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> Long pause there. Oh, no, it does. My screen froze. Oh, okay. That's why we, I was wondering why you look like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering why you guys look like. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. So what, what have you, what can you tell us? Why is it so important? I mean, it's a redundant question, but why is it so important to breastfeed your child? There's, a, there's more, it's more than just about them getting their nourishment. It's about helping with building that bond with your baby. Um, it helps them to regulate their um, temperature. It's a lot of different benefits from me. Um, even as they get older, they'll learn to come to you for comfort. They'll learn to come to you to nurse for, you know, if they're excited about something. Like people just feel like nursing is just about them eating, but it's so much more than that for the baby. Also in building the uh, gut microbiome. Yeah, their, their immune system. And not yeah, I didn't go ahead. And not to mention the nutritional benefits of the colostrum, that first milk is so important for building immunity and like Joyce said, the gut biome, that first, um, yeah, it's really important, go ahead. Yeah, um, when I, I contracted COVID back in December of last year and I was still breastfeeding my daughter and my family didn't understand it. Like, are you still supposed to breastfeed? Do you like quarantine from your baby? I'm like, no, I'm, you're still supposed to breastfeed so that they can get the antibodies from the virus. And she literally was fine the entire time. Um, she didn't get sick. It was my husband and my mom, both of us um, contracted it at the same time. But neither one of my kids, even though my son was no longer breastfed, neither one of my kids contracted it. So those are that benefit of, you know, being, having them and being able to breastfeed helps them overcome, you know, those health issues. Mm -hmm. Right. So do you find that your kids are healthier than some other children who are not breastfed? Yep, absolutely. Um, my kids, my son is 21 months old. My daughter's 11 months old. I can't recall the time where they've had a cold or any major health issue. And like some of my, you know, my family members that have children the same age as me or a little bit younger. I'll see them, they're like, they have cold, they have this, they have that, and they're formula fed. Yeah. I I'd, be, I'd also, go ahead. I was just going to say, I wasn't breastfed, and I had a lot of ear infections. Um, my I did other, too. Yeah, my youngest sister, I mean, I'm the youngest one I'm talking about. My middle sister, she also had ear infections. My eldest sister, who... Um, was breastfed even though for a short period of time she didn't suffer the infections like me and my sister did I mean it's like it seemed like I spent most of my childhood with ear infections you know and I I, I wonder about that and then when I got you know older me I know there's a lot of other factors, but I do think it contributed in my weight issues. My other sister had weight issues and the one that got breastfed, she never had weight issues, even though she said she would, but and she doesn't, but you know, um, so I think 
the overall health um, wise is very important. Um, you know, this, I was born in the sixties, my sister's the late fifties. And at that time they were pushing that, pushing bottles, pushing formula, breast milk wasn't any good, but yet at the same time, it was still important for animals to get the breast milk, but it wasn't good for people. So it was really a dichotomy and, you know, and it's really a shame because I think it injured a lot of us in, a, in minor ways. I'm okay. I'm fairly healthy, but I think that initial, I wouldn't have had the ear, ear infections and have the scarring that I have today from that. You know, it, it really did a lot of damage to my ears, you know. And I, I have trouble with them still. I have to be careful. So I, 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 you know, if your mom out there, breastfeed your children. It's the best thing you can do for them. I can guarantee it. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, I, I think what I also had a lot of ear infections when I was younger and I have no idea if I was breastfed. So when you say that and you're, you know, drawing that connection, I probably wasn't concerned we were born around the same time. Mm. So the thing that people sometimes miss, the difference between bottle feeding and breastfeeding is that a, a child is more likely to overeat when they're drinking from a bottle because it comes out faster. And mm -hmm. if you're, if you lay your child down, down without like having them at an angle, the milk is running back into their sinuses and that causes ear infection. So if your parent uh -huh. laid you down with your bottle or weren't holding you up, at more of a 90 degree angle, then that was one of the reasons why you would have ear infection. Oh, wow. That's interesting because, yeah. because um, my daughter, my oldest, I tried to nurse her and it, for whatever reason, you know, I had the milk for whatever reason she wasn't wanting to. And I think I just, and the doctor encouraged me to go between the bottle and the breast milk um, at that time. I, th I think at that time it was probably transitioning, you know, it's like, well, do both, you know, and I think, I think now it's more like they're pushing, yes, breastfeed if you can. But with her, I think I could, have, when maybe she was like four months. But I was laying her down with the bottle and she had ear infection. So that's very interesting. Mm. Yep. I learned that working in childcare because they will always tell us, don't lay the babies down to, to get their bottles. You have to be holding them up. And then for if you are doing both bottle feeding and breastfeeding for a baby, then it's something called paste bottle feeding, where you're basically having them sit up and the bottle is not completely like tilted up but it's straight so that they're they have to work to get the milk out versus gravity taking it down so that way they don't get have those issues with transitioning from breast to bottle and that helps them not to eat as much in a shorter amount of time now if somebody is having a, a problem with a with a baby breastfeeding if they use that that technique would that encourage the baby more to uh, try harder to get the milk from the mother yes because like I said with the bottle it's literally like if you're holding if they're 
um, if you're not doing the pace feeding, if they're not holding them up, the, the milk is literally just pouring down in their throat. They might have to work a little bit to, to suck from the nipple, but without doing that pace bottle feeding, they don't have to do the work. They don't have to do most of the work. Gravity in the bottle is doing most of the work. See, now I was told when I had my children to hold the bottle up to, so that they, they didn't get any air in their bellies and get excess gas. So you got to make sure it's like a technique to it. So you have to make sure that when the way the bottle is tilted, that the hole in the nipple is covered with the milk so that they're not sucking in the air. Okay. Yeah. And then also they try to tell you they have the different size nipples for breast before breastfed baby. You should have always used the creamy nipple because it's a smaller hole. And again, they have to work harder to get the milk out. And they'll know, okay, I still have to work to get the milk from the bottle the same way I would to get the milk from the breast. Right. Well, like I said, I've got, I've got the, I have three children and my, the, the first two, I had a hard time breastfeeding and I'm listening to you talk about the bottle and I'm getting too much milk. It was my middle one. He would like guzzle that bottle down. He would throw everything up and then he's crying because he's still hungry and wants more. So he was a real challenge. Now my last one, for whatever reason, I was able to successfully nurse him for a year and a half. And the one thing I noticed in the difference between him and my other two children, not that my other two children are not smart, but the youngest one who nursed for longer is just extremely, and he, he absorbs information very easily and holds on to it. I had homeschooled my children and he would sit in the living room while I was schooling my other children. And him and my daughter are seven years apart. So it's like, I would see him and he'd be playing, but I could see he was listening and he was absorbing. Um, in all actuality, I could have started him off in first grade. But the one thing that, that, that differed be between him and my two older kids was that I would lay worksheets at the table where they sat for food and they would go and they would do them. And my youngest one didn't. He would just, meal time came and he pushed it aside and sat down and ate. My older two taught themselves how to, how to write, but my youngest didn't. So if, if it wasn't for the fact that he was not writing, I could have started him in first grade right away. But he, I had to start him with the basics of learning how to write letters and numbers. So I think that that's interesting too, that he just, and again, I mean, he would sleep, he slept at the dictionary for a thesaurus for months. And I swear that all the words were just absorbed in his head because he says words and I'm going, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're saying. What does that even mean? Our bodies are absolutely amazing. And breast milk gives the baby exactly what they need. All of the vitamins and nutrients that the baby needs, they're getting that from breast milk. With the formula, I have so many different conversations about it because they're pushing it and, you know, saying how good it is for the baby versus, you know, breast milk. But there are toxins and chemicals and process the way that they process them. They're, 
they're trash. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, to be frank. To be frank. Because I, for my son, I used the European brand um, formula for him after I stopped being able to um, breastfeed him because I got pregnant with my daughter. Um, because the quality of formula in the United States is trash. And we're wondering why, you know, children are having these different health issues, um, dealing with obesity, dealing with the rise of childhood cancer. These things are the culprits of it. Mm. And because these companies are pushing them and charging ridiculous amounts to feed your child, it's just, it's a mess. Well, you know, and not only that, but the, the liners that are in those cans contain BPAs. And if they're in transportation, they're sitting in a truck, they're getting hot. And when those BPAs get heated, they reach into what's ever in that can. And that's toxic. Mm-hmm. Well, Mother Nature had it all figured out for us, right? It, it, this was all figured out a long time ago. This is how you feed your babies. And I've heard stories I don't know how true it is, but I heard stories that back years, you know, like thousands of years, men could breastfeed a baby at one point. I heard that, that too. Yeah, that it was, they could take over if they had to for some reason. Um, and that's why men have, you know, they ha- don't have, of course, with this was like eons ago, but there I've heard stories about that. So, and of course, there's women that, you know, once they bring in milk, they called nursemaids because they had the abundance of it. And um, but, you know, it's like I grew up in the dairy industry and I also um, know horses. And it was always taught that those babies, those calves, those foals, it was always iterated that they get the first milk the first milk has to go to the, the baby. You know, that was, that was the number one rule and went to the baby first before, um, you know, they, you know, a lot of times the race industry, horse racing industry, um, the um, show the like high fluting mares will give birth and then they'll give the fall to somebody else to they'll give it to another horse to raise and they've taken that fall away from that mother mm-hmm. so that she'll accept the high price fall right and these foals often get weak and die because they don't get the first milk and here we are promoting formula and we're mammals so we're not all that different you know right and we're promoting formula for our, our children and was known that animals that don't get first milk can die, but yet it seems to be, well, we're different. Um, no, not biologically. We're not that different. We have similar structures, you know, we're, we're more connected with different species than we realize. And to think that we're above nature, we're not. We're not above nature. We're part of it. And this is number one should be breastfeed your children because yeah. that's what your body is meant for. Mm-hmm. That's why women have breasts. Right. 
they're mm-hmm. not not just for men to play with. They're there to feed the children. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we think about our food. It's not good for us to eat processed or mm-hmm. chemically laden food. Why yeah. would we think it's okay to give it to our baby? Mm-hmm. Processed uh, it's made in a lab milk like mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense but no. because this is what's been perpetuated all these years this is what this is okay for your baby this is okay for your baby but it's really not well and then we have to look at you know all the children that, that have health issues these days you know it's it's more abundant when I was growing up and Heidi can testify this too. When we were growing up, nobody had food allergies. Nobody had autism. A lot of the stuff that these children are experiencing did not exist back in the 60s and 70s. You know, and they didn't- It was rare. It existed, but it was rare. It wasn't the norm. It was, I didn't know anybody, did you? Yeah, we had some issues. Yeah, I knew of some, but I mean, like I said, it was rare. It wasn't the norm. You know, it was very rare. I didn't know anybody with autism or any kind of... Well, we didn't call it autism back then. It was mentally retarded or something like that. That was the... I don't like that word. (laughs) Well, that was the name that was used back then. It was, but... You know, my dad, my dad had cerebral palsy, so I was brought up that, you know, when people have some kind of physical or mental handicap, we, we don't use that word because it offends them. It hurts them. Oh, of course. And that's why they, you know, it, it got changed and that's now, now it's all in the, the umbrella of autism. But yeah, we always, like I said, it just wasn't the norm. You know, there was birth defects and things, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is today. Right. So. I was going to say birth defects because there was a, a boy on our block who, when he was born, some I don't know what happened. I was a kid at the time. All I knew is that he had braces on his legs. And at one point he was in a wheelchair and he had a speech impediment. But he was also one of like 10 kids, the last of like 10 kids. So I have no idea what happened. Well, it was also at that time, there was a lot of spraying, chemical spraying for mosquitoes. DDT. Yeah. And so there's a strong correlation that a a lot of the childhood diseases can be stemmed from that too. And that really hasn't total, you know, was supposedly gone away, but they substituted with other things that are just as bad, you know, you know, you know, being an herbalist, the, my, my, the commercial I hate the most is kill that dandelion when that dandelion is one of the best nutrients out there. Right. <laughs> one, one of the best for cleaning, you know, for clearing out stuff out of your body, you know? So it's like, yeah, so we really haven't come any further since then, no. unfortunately. And, and that's why, you know, you know, and, 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 also, I would think also what women are putting in their bodies too when they're breastfeeding is just as important, right? I was just going to bring that up. Not only what they're putting in their bodies, but what they're putting on or on their bodies. So, Delisa, I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. Yes, um, we don't realize how absorbent our skin is, <laughs> and how the perfumes that you're wearing, the soaps that you're using. The, thing, the, the things that you're using to clean around the house, 
all of that is being absorbed into your body and into your breast milk and you're passing it to your child. So if you're using these things that are chemically laden and bad for you, then you're transferring that to your baby. And so that's just not, that's just not um, stuff you put into your skin. Also the food that you're putting, well, if you're putting lab made things into your body or, you know, food that's actually grown and the way it's supposed to be and animals raised the way they're supposed to be and not factory farms, it's not only healthier, healthier for the mother, but healthier for the baby. Mm-hmm. Because they're able to get the good quality of vitamins and nutrients that they need. They're going to get it regardless. But when you feed your body what you what it should, what it needs, then your baby's going to get that as well. I have an interesting question for you. And now, you know, we eat very clean. All our products are very clean. But one thing that we've learned is that the soil, the earth has been overworked. So we're not getting the nutrients, the minerals that we would normally get from the food that's grown from the earth. So with supplementing, like for nursing moms, do you think that's a good thing? Is it a bad thing or does it depend? I think it's a great thing because like you said, because of the quality of the soil that they're using and not even not ever giving a break, not making sure that it has the vitamins and nutrients in it so that the food will have it. It's, it's, I feel like it's a must to supplement, but making sure that they're good quality food-based supplement and products, that's what makes the difference because there's a lot of product supplements at GNC and these health food stores. That, Walmart, Walgreens. <laughs> that they're saying that they give you these vitamins and nutrients, but they really don't because your body's not recognizing no. them as food or as vitamins and nutrients. So as a nursing mother, are there certain supplements that you take and that you would suggest that other women consider taking when nursing? Yes. Um, It's one that I take on a regular basis. One is Moringa. Um, It helps with your milk production and making sure that you're getting the vitamins and nutrients as well as your child. Um, Another one being the omegas, the uh, omegas three, six, and nine for the brain development of the child. Um, probiotic, the quality probiotic. Um, and then of course, well, I have something from my, my store called a power shake and it's the equivalent of um, six, six salads. Um, so making sure that you're getting your greens, your good quality greens, um, because all of these things are important for your development and your child's development. Good to know. Moringa is excellent. I think everybody should be shaking Moringa. I love moringa. It's like a superfood, and it covers so many different things too. That it, it's so healthy for you. So, is there anything else that you want nursing mothers to know? I mean, what if a mother like what if a mother was like me, where she's having a problem nursing? You know, you know, for for whatever reason, what can what can a mom do? So there are good alternatives, like I mentioned earlier. Um, the European formulas. So do your research on those. Um, in addition to, there are donors out there, moms like me that overproduce milk that donate to moms that mm-hmm. might have an issue. Um, make sure that you check, have your doctor or your pediatrician check for a tongue tie or a lip tie. 
because that affects nursing as well. Um, they might not be able to get a good latch because they have a tongue tie or, or a lip tie or both. Um, and make it a positive experience. Like I was just telling the mom earlier today because she just had a baby maybe five days ago and she's been having some trouble. I said, don't stress about it. I said, because the more you stress, that the more your milk flow is restricted. So turn on some nice, positive, uh, meditative, slow music, take some deep breaths while you're nursing or while you're pumping so that it's a positive experience for you and your baby. Because if you're stressed out, your baby can feel it. All of the emotions and uh, things that you're feeling, your baby can feel. So if you're making it a positive experience, they'll feel it as a positive experience. So set the atmosphere for your nursing or your pumping sex session so that it's a positive experience so that your body will do what it needs to do from a place of peace and serenity versus stress and anxiety because it makes a, a huge difference. Um, but know that if you aren't able to produce milk, your baby's still going to get fed. So don't stress about it. Just make sure that, you know, you stay sane during this process because if you're experiencing postpartum anxiety, a postpartum depression, having issues with producing milk and feeling like you're failing your baby is not going to help the situation. Right. That's really good advice. And now we had talked earlier before the show started about there's also somebody designated in, in the medical profession to actually help you to produce milk if you're having a hard time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, um, they're either called a lactation consultant or a lactation nurse. Um, at the hospital, make sure that you're able to see um, a lactation consultant or a lactation nurse, or if you give birth at home, make sure that you're able to get a lactation consultant or a lactation nurse to come and visit with you so that they're able to help you with the latch because it's new to you and it's new to them. So you don't know if the baby's latch storm right, you don't know if they're transferring milk. So a lactation nurse or lactation consultant can help you with that process and show you, you know, different ways. Um, there are groups on Facebook where there are lactation consultants that, you know, give you different tools or resources to help you with your nursing journey. Um, and then talk to other moms. If you're able to find other moms that are nursing, we all have good tips and things that have worked for us. So, What about um, doulas or midwives? Would they be able to help or are they just, because I thought they help after with what a doula um, does. So doulas can, um, if they, they can get different certifications specifically for nursing or breastfeeding. Um, so they can have a specific specialty for that. Um, so it really just depends. So it sounds like for the mother is to find like, if she can, a nice relaxing spot maybe in her home where she won't be interrupted if she's having difficulty and almost make it like a very special ritual just so that's her time with her baby and that's their time together, right? Yeah, and I found that in the beginning, of course, it, it does take a lot of energy for a baby to nurse in the beginning, so it makes them tired. So if you 
remove all of their clothes and you get like a baby wipe to like wipe their head or wipe their feet to kind of wake them up and keep them alert during the session to make sure that they're eating enough. Because um, sometimes that could be an issue with weight gain, especially in the beginning. Um, they might lose some weight and moms are so worried about it. So if you're, you undress them and kind of keep the room a little bit cooler so that they're alert and awake during a nursing session. So oh, that's a good tip. Absolutely. So what else would you like people to know about your services? Um, like I said, I've uh, branded myself as a holistic health club because I have so much information, so much knowledge, so many different resources that people wouldn't normally have access to because I'm a holistic health practitioner. Um, and I want to share them with moms, like just this information about nursing, different um, products that I've been able to use if I had to pump, um, those types of things that I want to share with people. So if there's something related to mom life, if it's related to, you know, overcoming trauma, if it's related to holistic health, I'm able to connect people with physical resources, um, products, my book, other people that I have connections to in my network. So if there's something that you need or something that you're looking for, I'm definitely one of the people to contact with, get in contact with so that you can get what you need for your journey to healing and holistic health. So where can people contact you? So I'm on Instagram um, under Mrs. Hardy 818, M-R-S-H-A-R-D-Y 818. And then I have a flow page and it's www.flowpage.com backslash Jaleesa Hardy and you'll see all of the different resources and tools that I have to offer. Awesome. Anything else? Joyce, do you have any more questions or? No, good over here. Jaleesa, you have anything you want to leave our listeners with? Just remember that, you know, you literally have everything that you need in order to succeed in life and breastfeeding and entrepreneurship and motherhood. And sometimes it takes other people to show you that. So don't be afraid to ask for help, whether it's with nursing or anything else. Don't be afraid to ask for help because we are better together. Right. That was great. I love that. But sometimes, people, sometimes people are afraid to ask for help. Yep, or afraid to speak up and say, I suffered, uh, you know, because I think it's really important. So I want to thank you all. I thank you. This was really fun and informative and inspirational and cathartic, which they seem to be. It seems like every podcast I get something out of it and it's um, always always touches me very deeply and I was touched very deeply I must admit so thank you so much so thanks for tuning in everyone Um, remember to get out there and enjoy the wild and be a little wild and breathe the many blessings everybody keep on shining your light thanks for joining us bye bye bye